Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We are unhappy because we feel incapable of expressing the anger that we are experiencing in any productive capacity because we will be labeled you know what. Hi, I'm Suzanne. And I'm Rachel. Welcome to The Big Payoff. So today we're talking about anger and you're angry, we're angry, but we don't always show it and it's dangerous to show it, but it could be powerful to show it, but we don't. We have all kinds of complicated feelings about that. We want to talk about it. Yeah, it feels so dangerous to me. I mean, even when we started this topic and I knew you might turn to me and ask the question that I know is relevant is why am I so reluctant to show anger? And I think a lot of people have that feeling. I think a lot of people, especially a lot of women, um, why are, see, for me, I, I, I'm, anger is my safe spot. I can do anger very easily. Um, I can tell you why. It's because um, it's more powerful than crying or vulnerability, right? That's where I won't go. Um, why are you afraid of showing anger? Does it? Because the anger, I'm actually very clear about this, and apologies right now to my dad, who you know I adore, but he does get blamed for a lot, as he knows. As all dads do. As all dads do. When I was younger, and I would cry for any reason, but mostly when I was angry or upset about something, and it would cause tears. Not tears like I scraped my knee, but like tears related, emotional tears. My dad would say to me, stop crying, come back into the room when you're done crying. In other words, like, I won't even engage with you mm-hmm. at all if you're showing that kind of emotion. Right. Because, and, it, was, because it was, right, it's challenging. Yeah. It is. And it's so, challenging to the other person, to everybody in the room. That's the thing. Yes. But to be honest, I also feel like in his mind, he was trying to train me to be a stronger person. In his mind, he was like... This is not something well, of course. that's good. In our mind, we say one thing, but the fact is that when your child is highly emotional, it requires more of you. So if you have a moment of feeling inadequate to that feeling, you will right. banish that from the room and say, come back when I can handle you. Right. Right. But he's not going to say that. Right. And that's very common. But, you know, we're talking about anger in part because this is this has got to be the angriest election 
in the history of American politics. Just anger in the populist, anger among both candidates, anger, anger among their supporters. Anger at the election, anger yeah. because of the election. Yeah. It's like there's no way to enter a conversation whether you're pro, you're con, you this candidate, that candidate, everyone is angry. And we've and the anger is being unleashed in a way that makes it more acceptable, I think, than ever before to just express your anger. Well, for some people, but you know, there was a moment in the last debate with Hillary where she did get angry when he was talking about the abortions and ripping the baby out yes. in the last day. Ripping it out of the womb. Yeah, which is, I think, called delivery in most places. <laughs> but okay. She was yeah. pissed. She got her Benghazi face on. It's 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 yeah. cold anger. And I got so excited. I thought, oh, now there she's going to be powerful. It's great. But I think anger in general for her and for many women and for many people and you it are, is just taboo. And so – the qu the question of why anger is taboo and why what's underneath that emotion really led us to say, well, who can we talk to about this who is the source, the source of the question of w what we do with our emotions in the workplace, for example, um, where you can't show any of these emotions, can't in quotes, um, and that's Ann Kramer. Ann Kramer wrote the book. I mean, literally, she wrote the book called It's Always Personal, which is weirdly timely now because I think it's um, Donald Trump's phrase. Uh, it's, it's not. It's, yeah, it's, 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 if it's, it's business. It's just business. It's nothing personal. Right. And so and it's so interesting because the book It's Always Personal is exactly right because, of course, it is always personal. So when we come back, we're going to introduce Ann Kramer and we're going to have an interesting conversation about why you're so angry and why you're not showing it. If you're angry and you know what pounds some clay. If you're angry and you know what pounds some clay. If you're angry and you know it, then your face will surely show it. If you're angry and you know it, pounds some clay. Welcome back to The Big Payoff. We've got Ann Kramer here, and we introduced her at the end of the last segment as the author of It's Always Personal, which is incredibly timely given the fact that Donald Trump was the dude who said, it's just business. It's nothing personal. It's always personal. So Ann is an American journalist and author who specializes in business and work and life. I'm not going to say work-life balance because I hate that. Um, culture and women's issues, and she's had major roles in big media companies. She's a regular contributor to Fast Company and the New York Times, lots of other publications. But to me, she will always be remembered as one of the founders of my favorite magazine of all time, Spy Magazine. I remember when it came out because that's when I was living here for Teach for America. It was that I, I literally remember seeing it and thinking. Oh, my God. Spy Magazine, Spy Magazine. referred to yeah. the short-fingered Vulgarian Donald Trump. Okay. <laughs> wow. Right. Wow. I think that was like 89 That's or something. Insane. I know. So, Anne, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining Great us. Great to be here. So we're talking today about anger. And um, Suzanne and I were talking in the first segment about how hard it is for her to be angry and how she has all kinds of stuff around that and how – 
easy it is for me to be angry because it's more power than than crying or vulnerability. So, but there there's no question that especially in the workplace, um, having emotions is a very fraught issue, and you, I'm sure, have a lot to say about that. I do indeed have a lot to say about that. I mean, I had a moment in my life when I was at um, one of my peak professional uh, times where I had spent 18 months negotiating a gigantic deal with Sony Music for Nickelodeon, where I was at the time a senior vice president in charge of all of their non-television businesses. And I was in my office with my team and we were celebrating and feeling like we had achieved something tremendous. We got written up in the Wall Street Journal and in the trades and it got a lot of good publicity and it was going to be a good thing for the organization. And the telephone rang and in the middle of this uh, sort of celebration, my assistant shouted out, um, Anne, it's Sumner on line one. And that's <laughs> Sumner Redstone who still clinging by his bare <laughs> right, knuckles. Right. To uh, being the CEO of the Viacom Corporation. Um, and I thought, wow, how cool. Sumner's calling to congratulate me on this great deal. You know, how awesome. What a good guy he is. <laughs> and um, I pick up the phone anticipating this in my mood of ebullience, and he starts to scream at me. And he is shouting at me, and you can practically see the spittle, you know, frothing out on the other side of the receiver. And he was calling me to um, upbraid me for what do you think? Why do you think you why do you think this man was so angry? Well, it didn't do enough of something. It did not move the share price of the stock significantly enough. He had just he had just acquired Paramount. And here I was uh, working within a division, within a division, within a division, within a division of a nine billion dollar company. And here was this man screaming at me, thinking that I had the ability to move the share price. At any rate, I couldn't scream at him. I couldn't shout at him expressing that anger. I couldn't say to him what was really going on in my mind because I felt like my job would have been jeopardized by doing that. So instead, he slams his phone down after he'd vented his anger and I put mine down very gingerly (laughs) and um, burst into tears. And so I was there in my office with my team celebrating this thing that was arguably a great thing And I had gone from cloud nine to abject misery in the space of less than 90 seconds. So what if you had um, expressed your anger? I mean, was that the correct reading of the situation? I think it's 100 percent correct reading the situation because women still today are in the more junior positions. He was the owner of the company, not just, you know, a boss that I could go complain to HR about. I had no choice but to swallow it. But what was fascinating to me, that set me off on this journey of exploration about emotion in the workplace. And what I came to understand is that, you know, emotion is simply a hardwired biological response to an external stimulus. We don't feel angry and then get, you know, hormones flooding us. Our hormones automatically flood our body with the first perception of threat. So Redstone had threatened me, right? And I was in this uh, environment where obviously I couldn't express myself physically, which is what our ancestors did. You know, there's a lion on the savanna. How are we going to deal with it? Are we going to fight it or are we going to run from it? So Or cry in front of it. Well, <laughs> right? but see, crying is a very interesting response to threat because it is a non-aggressive form of showing I capitulate. Right. Um, But when your body is flooded with these hormones in a cognitive environment, in a kind of social environment, um, we have to express them in some capacity. 
So what I found in my research is the majority of women cry at work not because they're unhappy. I mean, sure, we're unhappy for different reasons all, all of the time coming in with our problems. But we are unhappy because we feel incapable of expressing the anger that we are experiencing in any productive capacity oh, because we true? will be so labeled true. you know what. But now I'm thinking about, for example, the last debate. Mm-hmm. And Rachel and I were talking about the moment when Hillary got angry in the abortion conversation. Mm-hmm. But I have watched her, we all have, on so many occasions where I'm I'm thinking to myself, I'm sure everyone is, that would piss me off so much. How on earth, given all of that biology, how on earth is someone like that in that situation keeping it together? Well, we learn, you know, Hillary is of a generation where women were the first, you know, first going to work in significant numbers. Um, and we learn how to manage our emotions that, you know, no one wants to work in an environment where everybody is just sort of, you know, emotionally letting Melting. it all hang out yeah. all the time because right. that's counterproductive. You want to work in an environment where you feel kind of respected and safe and valued for your contributions. She went to work during a time, and this is a very specious concept that there is no room for emotion in the workplace. Antonio Damaso, who's a you know researcher in uh, cognitive science, has found you know looking at Phineas Gage, who was this guy who had worked in the railroad, and he had a railroad tie go through his brain, and it was damaged in exactly the place where <laughs> you process your emotions. And they found out that you, once you damage that part of your brain, you literally cannot make a single decision. So what each of us decided to wear to work this morning. We involved our emotions. We were thinking about how we wanted to feel. If you if you read, you know, the people who have that part of their brain damage can't decide what cereal to eat because they spend their entire time reading the side of the package. So you have to table right now the notion that emotion has no role in the workplace because it is there. It is omnipresent. It's learning how to manage it. So Hillary who went to law school, probably was one of the very few women in her class, wanted to be successful, had her ambition, practicing lawyer in a law firm. We all know what that's like for women in terms of sort of moving into the partnership track. The way to succeed when males were in the dominant form of the workplace was to button it up because there was the perception that if you revealed any kind of emotional, uh, you know, breadth, that you would be viewed as non-management material. Now, I actually found out that people at all levels of management report that they cry. So it is, in fact, I, I say there is not a tissue ceiling. That in appropriate moments, expressing emotion actually builds a sense of trust and a sense of um, collegiality within a workplace, and you have to figure out when and how well, to yeah, use it. Well, yeah, figuring out the appropriate moment is the trick. Do we all remember the scene in um, broadcast news? Yeah. How everyone I know related to that scene yes. and talked about it at the time because we were like, exactly. Exactly. So we have to learn how to productively express anger, because I think that's what gets in the way of the tears. And that's what then women, there's this sort of vicious kind of whack-a-mole cycle where women want to say, you know, no, you idiot. I was up all night long. I worked this. I've got it. I've nailed it. I've got the facts. You can't just waltz in here in the morning and sort of, you know, assume control. And that can happen with a man or a woman. It's not necessarily only men who don't work as hard as we do. But um, so there's that, you know, you have to figure out how to sort of say and own these things. And I think Hillary, you know, I wrote this book, you know, many years ago, and I found an interesting quote that if you guys are comfortable, I'll read that sort of astonished me um, that came out in 2006. So no woman in the public eye captures our ambivalence about women who show emotion more than Hillary Clinton. 
In 2006, before Mrs. Clinton decided to run for president, Ken Melman, the head of the National Republican National Committee, tried to marginalize her chances by declaring that, quote, she seems to have a lot of anger, close quote, and, quote, when you think of her level of anger, I'm not sure it's what Americans want, close quote. As Maureen Dowd responded in the New York Times, they are casting Hillary Clinton as an angry woman, a she-monster melding images of Medea, the Furies, Harpies. This gambit handcuffs Hillary. If she doesn't speak out strongly against President Bush, she's timid and girly. Right. If she does, she's a witch and a shrew. So this is this 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 is what women have been up against in the workplace their entire lives. One of the things that I hope that is sort of emerging. I mean, y- young women in my research feel much more emotional volatility than more mature women. It's you know that's what you you learn on the job. How do you know? Is it and you develop sort of external things in families and organizations and stuff you care about. So it isn't as important as when you're first sort of climbing up the greasy pole, but. Um, you, you know, I feel like uh, in the last debate with Trump doing his sotto voce, vicious, crude, um, calling her a nasty woman. It was the same thing as saying she was an angry woman. Yeah, yeah. It was the same. Um, and I think that has – I pray that that has kind of finally galvanized, you know, sort of put young women – you know, plug them into the electric socket and sort of said – we're really tired of this because historically women have been their worst enemies. Again, in my research, men would label women who expressed emotion at work sometimes kind of unprofessional, but they connected it still to the work. Women wa- label other women who express emotion at work, whether it is anger, and Victoria Breskel has studied this extensively at Yale, or whether it's tears or whatever it might be, as you know, failures. They, they, they make it personal with them. And men actually don't. And I find that a fascinating distinction. Well, that's really interesting. So men don't judge women in the workplace for being emo- as much as women no. judge other women. Men are terrified by it yeah. because they absolutely have no clue how to handle it. Right. And I think one of the things that I think is lacking in collegiate education is sort of a basic fundamental course on here's how the world works in the workplace and here's what to do if somebody cries. Here's what to do if somebody gets angry. I mean they've actually studied that. If So, so in my research, 60 percent of people reported that they had seen somebody – their boss get angry with somebody in the workplace during the last month. That's an astonishingly gigantic number. And what we know now is that emotions are contagious like viruses. And so when you see somebody getting angry at somebody, even all the way across the the floor, your response is to shut down. So it's like, I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to cocoon myself. I'm going to make sure that that scary person over there shrieking and yelling at that other person isn't going to see me. You're, you're, you're like the porcupine or something yeah. curling up in a ball. Just please make it go away from me. Now, think about that with your workplace. You want your people to feel sort of expansive and like they can be sort of creative problem solvers and that they can kind of communicate fresh and original ideas. So anger is the opposite of what you want in a workplace, even though men think it's a very effective management tool. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So, Anne... If you were giving advice to, let's call it the 20-somethings, mm-hmm. the the women – and I don't want to leave men out of it because I'm obviously there are a lot of men in the workplace who feel emotions. And you were giving them advice about what to do in that moment where they feel the way you felt on the phone with Sumner. Is there – We're calling him Sumner now? Is, is that – Like Cher. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, is there a process you recommend they go through even very rapidly? Yeah. Or w- what do you advise them uh, with the assumption being they're not the boss? Mm-hmm. There's there's two components of this. And one is the immediate answer. What do you do when you begin to feel like you're about to either yeah. you know, yell at someone or burst into tears? And the simplest thing I can recommend is when you feel that coming on, Get up and go get a drink of water. Yeah. It short circuits everything. You actually tap into your parasympathetic nervous system. You kind of change your body chemistry. You get your blood moving. You get your oxygen moving. You go out into the hallway. You get a drink of water. You kind of gather yourself together. And then you can go back in and more calmly approach something. It's super easy. If you're a boss thinking that you're incredibly frustrated because – People are behind schedule and over budget and everything else. Again, it's not effective to yell at your employees. It does not make better work come out. Figure out another alternative to that. But what I think is critical in all of this, there's there's two components. There's something called emotion labor. And emotion labor is the difference between how you feel that you're most relaxed and natural and the degree of effort required to act differently in a different situation. So I think that the armor that you know Hillary Clinton put on or that a lot of us who went to work in the early years put on and that kind of costuming, the kind of um, pr- presentation that we made, made us all feel like we were – that's where I think the imposter syndrome comes from. We're pretending to be something that we're really not. And I think in this world where we are all working kind of 24-7, where there are texts coming in at the office and emails coming in at home, and that the, the, that the critical thing that people need to figure out is how can they be more emotionally true to themselves and recognizing that some people never cry and some people are far more emotionally expressive. So, you know, kind of a self-awareness of your own emotional set point and be that way consistently throughout your day because what the the difficulty arises when you try to pretend to be mm. something that is a bad fit for your personality so the square peg in the round hole kind of thing and so if you are a um kind of an introvert who likes to work with data and things then probably working in an environment like mine at MTV networks where everybody was just, you know, creative and crazy and wacky and the more on the edge you were, the better you were is going to make you feel kind of uncomfortable. And conversely, if you're a very emotionally expressive person, probably working in banking is not your ideal thing. And that 
a lot of people get into their jobs. It's like, oh, they just get this sort of first job out of college and they're getting money and it feels good and you're getting reward and you're moving up the ladder. And the next thing you know, you're 35 and you hate your life. Yeah. So I think younger people who are entering the workplace, developing the tools to be, have a kind of you know metacognition, learning to think about how they think and feel more productively is also something that can be lent to them. What I heard you say that's really interesting is there are two sides of this. So the idea of getting better at managing other people's emotions and being able to expand your capacity to react and empathize and deal with it, that's going to make the workplace – it isn't just on the on the – not at all. No, not of the emoter. Yeah, it's on the side of the other person. Uh, and they found really interestingly, uh, for instance, hospitals who do empathy training um, yeah. for their nurses, they improve their bottom line. The people who are patients in their hospitals are out more quickly. They have better recovery protocols. They found that even factory workers, you know, not just people who are in the business of caring for others, factory workers whose jobs are, you know, widget making, if they are coached in empathy kind of training, that improves absenteeism. People are far less absent from their workplace. It increases productivity. It's like it's all like we all sit in and we're nodding. We're going like, duh. But it is because there's this old school kind of industrial revolution, 19th century, you know, hierarchical mode that like we're all rational and it's all kind of objective and there's nothing that involves feelings in the workplace. And we know now that is false. Well, Anne, this has been great and I'm getting all teared up. <laughs> I can't share. I'm feeling angry. Uh, oh, good for you. Good for you. And I'm liberated. <laughs> Thank you so much. This is gold. Great. Gold. And what I love about it too is it's a it's a twist on this conversation that I, I don't know that I've ever had or heard anywhere else. Yeah, I think it's worth taking a reread if you haven't already read It's Always Personal by Ann Kramer. And that's K-R-E-A-M-E-R. Not like the Kramer on Seinfeld. Yeah. Right. Not, not at all. No. Um, not at all. Actually, <laughs> not. if two Kramers could be any different, it would be Anne and that Kramer. And Jim Kramer. And Jim <laughs> Kramer. Talk about angry. We can Jim, do, Jim's in the book. He's yeah. like my main character you in the anger like chapter. A, a Kramer conference and just put you all in a room and go, any similarities? Thank you so much. Thank you. Great for pleasure. Us, we'll be back to the big payoff in just a minute. So, Rachel, I was telling you about The Black Mirror, which is this show on Netflix that people are obsessed with. I think people who watch it are evangelists for it in a really strong way. And I had never heard of it. Yeah, I, I, I heard of it years ago when, in fact, my niece got a bootleg copy of it and was watching it in Italy and she was obsessed. I watched the first show when you made me. So the first show which is very much about a society that doesn't accept anger or emotions that are negative, flipped me out. And the premise of it is that we're living in a futuristic world, not 100 years from now, but let's say 20 years from now, where every 
interaction you have, everything you do is rated on your phone. You on your rate. phone from one to five. You know, the way you do your Uber. Yes. Only it's constant with ev- like a barista. He's nice. You're nice. He rates you. You rate him. Yeah. If you do, if you're walking down the street and you happen to bump into somebody accidentally, they take out their phone and they, and they, and you come up automatically on their phone so they can rate you low or high. And it turns out that your entire life is, depends on having a high rating where you're allowed to live, whom you're allowed to date. What, how much money you can make, whether or not you're the one to get the liver transplant in the hospital based on your ratings, right. it becomes life or death. So people are in a constant falsification mode of making sure that they're super nice to everyone and getting fives all the time. And yet the anger is right under the surface and in everyone's face, you watch them trying to control their anger. And I so related to that. You know, you it's such a normal thing to try to tamp that thing down and to watch it happening in every interaction while people are trying to be nice was in my mind like uh, the scariest future state. And the best part of the show comes at the end when finally two people just let it out, just let it out. And I found that last part of the show, I I almost wanted to turn it off because I thought, oh, okay, now the show's over. Do I really need to see this last part? I found it cathartic to watch that. Like Mm. what if after, you know, years of having your Anger tamped down. You were allowed release. You were allowed. See, I release. will never know that because I'm always pulling the. Yeah, you would. A you bit. you would not. You'd be like a two. I'd be Cherry Jones. Yeah, you'd be like a yeah. one point seven. Uh-huh. I'd be a little higher because I'm better at at putting that smile on mm-hmm. when I need to. I'd probably be like a a four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry for you. <laughs> I I hope you're proud of that. <laughs> In the land of fake, you'd be very very. Hi. So after you hear this show, go watch that show. We'll be back to the big payoff next week. If you like what you heard, you can find us at bigpayoffradio.com, on iTunes, on the Acast app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please, please rate and review us. It matters. It matters.